welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 150 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 24th of April 2016, entitled The Genesis Account, Part 27. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to read the passage again that we have read the last couple of weeks, found in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, verses 3 and 4, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy and precious word, taken from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The word of God says, as according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, that's through Jesus Christ, folks, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by the promises of God, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. May the Lord richly bless the reading of his word. God bless you. You may be seated. What a phenomenal promise. And of course, it underlies, if you would, uh, just how important. He tells us here that by his divine, by the power of the universe, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, everything. And he's done that, he says, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's given that to us through Jesus Christ himself. And for that reason, It says he's given us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, that by the very promises of God, they're so great that you can actually partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. We all face corruption. We are all born with sin. There is no other hope. And what I want you to grasp and understand is that our only hope is in the promises of God. Many people base their Christian life upon experiences, upon emotions, upon feelings, upon all these different things. But I want to say to you, if there's any foundation, if there's any grounding, if there's any assurance that's going to stand up against all the storms of life that come against you, they're going to be based upon the Word of God. They're going to be based on the promises of God and what He will do to you. Some days you might... You might feel like you're the most saved person in all the world. You may feel so close to God that you could just reach out and touch him. Some days you may be going through one of those valleys when you don't feel that God is anywhere around. You wonder if he's hearing anything that you're saying to him. The truth is, is that no matter whether you're at the lowest point or the highest point, God is still God. He's still on the throne, and every one of his promises are sure They will get you through. Now, I don't know how many of you, how many of you were here last week when I introduced you to my new invention? Well, I came up with a name for it. It's so simple, I wrote it down just so I wouldn't get it wrong. Amen? Now, we're going to call this the Smobar. Smobar. Can you say that? Smobar. Smobar. Now, that stands for Super Miraculous Oscillation Emitting Bar. Now, I told you last week 
that to many of you, it just looks like a normal handlebar that you would use for somebody that was disabled to get up to lift. But if you will screw this up on the wall of your house, just simple screws. I think it's three in each side, six screws, and it will change your life forever. I mean, totally. If you've got any physical problems, I looked around last week. There were some that, you know, were getting kind of thin on top. They were going bald. Their hair was falling out. Some were kind of grunting and groaning as they were getting up out of their seats, not exactly jumping up sprite and as a, as a spring chicken, as we used to say. We look around, you know, you may have any kind of physical ailment, but if you will screw this up in your house, it'll just disappear. It'll vanish. It'll take care of all your spiritual problems. I mean, you know, those days when you're feeling depressed and down and, you know, you, you, you may get suicidal. You just, you know, you just, just, this world is just coming. If you will just screw this up in your house, you'll never have a down day spiritually again. You'll stay on top of the mountain. It is a miracle, I'm telling you. And I said, you can have that. With a simple plan, $99.95 a month for six months, and it's yours. $99.95. Now, you've had a week to think about it, and now you know the name of it. What's it called? Smobar. Who would like to buy a Smobar this morning? No takers? I'm telling you, I promise you. I told you last week it came with my own personal promise. If it doesn't work, you can send it back. I'm not sure I'll send you any money back, but you can send this back and I'll take it. <laughs> Your own Smobar. Nobody wants to jump on. You know, they're very limited. We only have so many of them. You know? <laughs> If, if you don't get in on the ground level here, you may not get one at all. I said that to say, you know, we hear promises like that. They're these guys, and you, so a lot of times they're in their bright colored outfits and all this, and they're on TV, and they're, you know, they're going at it, and they're promising you the world if you'll just send them your money. But I want to take that a step further this morning. It's not just the world that's doing that. Now, there's a lot of good things that come from modern technology. You know, I can still remember back when the TV was modern technology. <laughs> I can remember when it used to be black and white and not color. I remember when we got our first color TV, praise God. Life moves on quickly. But the truth is, is that as modern technology moves on, and as we have more opportunities, there has never been at your disposal He's such easy access to tools to use for, for studying the Word of God, for having access to, to books that at one time would have been prohibitive to buy because they cost so much, and you can just Google it and bring it up on your, on your application, and there it is. You can read it all. But along with that, there's a lot of garbage. I guarantee you, you can go back home this afternoon and turn on, and there would be a bunch of televangelists on there that would be promising you Nothing, it, would, it wouldn't be any crazier than what I just promised you this morning. What I promised you this morning wouldn't be any crazier than what they're promising is what I should say. They promise you the world. Send us your money, and this is it. So the thing is, is that in this world of promises, and so many people making such crazy promises, how can we be assured that the promises of God are sure? What I want you to realize, first of all, if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to understand, I've made this statement in a couple of different ways, that when a promise is made to you, there are a couple of things that really make a difference as to whether, now apparently, I don't know if it's because of who I am, 
I don't know if it's because of my ability to do what I say. I don't know if it's because of my track record. But Tibby's the only one that almost took me for my word this morning. <laughs> that promise didn't mean anything. Because a promise is based upon who's making that promise to you. It is based upon their ability to fulfill that promise. And it's based upon what their word has done in the past. Have they kept their promises before? What I want you to realize is not only the world, folks, but it gets pretty confusing. There may be some of you here this morning that you may not be a Christian yet. You may not have put your faith and trust for now and eternity in what Jesus Christ did for you. And I promise you can hear all kinds of things and all kinds of promises being made to you. Well, I want you to grasp and understand today, whether you're here lost, whether you're here as a Christian that's walking away from God, or whether you're here as a Christian that's never been closer to God in your life, don't believe what I say. I might try to sell you something that would change your life forever, and it'd do nothing for you. Now, I can promise you I wouldn't do that intentionally. I don't want you to base your life and your eternity upon the promises that I make to you, that this church makes to you, that the Baptists around the world make to you, or anybody else makes to you. I want your life right now, this moment, everything pertaining to this life and godliness with God, I want it to be based on the promises of God. Absolutely certain and sure, and I want you to know. You say, well, how can I know the truth? Back it up with God's Word. Whatever, whatever that Christian, preacher, evangelist, pastor, or just another so-called religious person, whatever they're promising you, get them to go to God's Word. And be careful. People could take that all out of context. We've talked about how many promises of God that we can find in His Word. I want you. You know, I, after all these years, I still cannot believe how that when you get into God's Word, you can have your mind, well, you know, I can say this in that amount of time and minutes. And every time I start typing a sermon, I think I shared with you here a while back, somebody asked me honestly, it might have been Brother Gareth, sometime back when we were talking about sermon preparation and whatnot, somebody asked me, said, uh, how long does it normally take you to finish preparing a sermon? And I had to say, I have no earthly idea. I've never finished one in my life. <laughs> I just have to stop. <laughs> God's Word never finishes. There's always something else that can be said. There's always one step further that it can go. You can study any subject in the world. You can get the greatest books of, of philosophy and history and science and everything else. But there's a point when you will know every fact in that book. You'll be absolutely no further that you can go to gain anything else from it. And yet God's Word, God's promises. We've said, you know, <laughs> a lot of people have tried to count them. Some people have said they're in the hundreds and some in the thousands and some in the tens of thousands and own up some even 30,000, you know. <laughs> I guess it seems to come in somewhere around seven or 8,000 seems to be a pretty popular number. I said, well, I've never counted all of them, but I know there's a lot. <laughs> there's a bunch. And to say that there's hundreds or even thousands, I think you could say without being wrong. And you can count on every one of them. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? That's what we've been looking at in our study of Genesis. If the foundations be destroyed, what is our hope? Is this fundamental to the Christian faith? It is absolutely fundamental because if there is one promise of God, 
that is not true, that he does not keep, that he has not or will not fulfill, then we can't trust any of them because then he gets in the same category as we humans where he's broken his word. But I want you to understand as we look through these passages, I want to remind you again of the passage taken from Titus chapter 1. Verse 1, he says, Paul, a servant of God, each and every one of us today, I can say Larry, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul was a special apostle, but we are messengers. We are sent to do the work. The, the word messenger is the same type of word of what our missionaries do today, and each and every one of us should be acting in that way in taking God's word, taking the gospel to the ends of the world. A servant of God, an apostle of Jesus, according to the faith of God's elect, according to the faith that God's people, that God's children, that those that belong to God have put in him. And he says, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life. That hope of eternal life does not come until our faith is put into action and we acknowledge the truth of God by faith. We acknowledge that truth, and we've looked at a lot of things, and you'll have to go back and listen to those sermons because we, we can't go back through all that this morning. He says, which God that cannot lie. Listen, promised before the world began. I mean, that's, that's mind-boggling. Before anything even existed that we know is the world, before the earth was created, before there was any life, God had already promised God had promised an eternity path, and this is why we said that God, as an eternal God, his promises are eternal. They always have been, and they always will be, and nothing will change them. He cannot lie. You cannot change his word. But hath in due times manifested his word, made his word known, made his word clear through what? Through preaching. <laughs> What I'm doing right here this morning. Now, some of you might think I'm just ranting and raving and going crazy. And people say sometimes, you know, preacher, why, why are you so passionate? Well, if I've got to be passionate about anything in my life, this is what I need to be passionate about. I mean, I love watching a good football game. And I love a good basketball game. And I love American football. But none of those even begin to compare to the passion I have for God's Word. You see, he says, making, making that clear making it seen through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our God, our Savior. All I can do today is declare unto you what God has said. And as we look here this morning, I want to move on because we looked last week, at, we've looked at many things concerning promises. Would you agree with me that promises are hard to keep sometimes? Now, we looked last week at the promises that were made in the garden. Promises that were made there to Adam, to Eve, even to the devil. <laughs> promises that God made of things that he was going to do. And promises of care, promises of conditions, of consequences. That first promise ever of the Lord Jesus Christ coming. We looked at those things and we talked about those. But I want you to move on this morning to Genesis chapter 4. And I want you to keep this in mind. Promises are not to be taken lightly. I've said to you before, by the very definition of what promise is, 
Promise is never, ever, ever, ever defined as one that's broken. Promises were not meant to be broken. Promises are only meant to be kept. We find that we talk about how hard they are to keep sometimes. I won't go into all the story because I'm trying to preach fast this morning. Most of you would recognize the name C.S. Lewis, author of Bygone Years. Whether you agree with all of his theology or not, he wrote, he wrote some great things. And one of the things he wrote about in one of his uh, biographies was about a promise that he had made. He had a friend that was about to go off to war, to battle. His friend was terrified. He was terrified because he was leaving a wife and a child behind that he was afraid he may not make it back to. And so he was there, and, and he and, and C.S. Lewis were talking and praying together, and C.S. Lewis made him a promise. He said, my friend, if anything happens to you in battle, I promise you, I will take care of your wife and your child. I promise you, you've got my word on it. Well, it was some time later, but this friend was killed in battle. And so C.S. Lewis had this awesome promise that he felt that he needed to fulfill. But he said there was never a harder promise in all of his life to keep. Because he said every time he went to try to do something for this lady, she was the most cantankerous lady you ever met in your life. She complained about everything. And it didn't matter what he did. It was never enough. So, you know, it was like, you know, sometimes he just wanted to pull his hair out. He was so frustrated. And you can imagine that his immediate thought would be, why bother? Why worry? If she doesn't appreciate it any more than that. But he said he did to his dying day because he had made that promise the hardest promise he ever made because it never, ever, ever seemed appreciated. You see, I say that to remind you of this. Man, we're a cantankerous bunch a lot of times. No matter what God does for us, we're complaining, never enough. This is a problem and that's a problem. He gives us this and we want more because we're such a selfish people in our flesh. We're so self-centered and that's one of the things as Christians that we've got to get out of the way. Well, in God's Word, of course, you might think as God was there in the garden with Adam and Eve, you might think, well, you can understand a bit, but we saw that it was only through His grace and mercy that they were able to receive those promises. But notice in chapter 4, we find that it's a familiar passage that we've looked at with other focuses. Chapter 4 says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Now, we've looked at this passage. It's a familiar passage. Adam and Eve are driven out of the garden because of their sin. The very first thing, that very first act that we find recorded for us after they leave the garden is this husband and this wife, the first man and the first woman, coming together as husband and wife and bearing two sons. Cain, the first one, a farmer that farmed crops, that grew crops, and Abel a farmer that raised animals, that raised sheep. Now, the first act recorded of these two brothers is them bringing an offering to God. 
When they bring that, they, they bring the fruits of their labor. So, of course, for Cain, that would have been the crops that he was growing. For Abel, that was of the sheep. God accepts Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's, we see here. Now, the reasons why that was acceptable, why one was acceptable and the other was not, we've discussed all that, and you can go back and you can listen to it online, or I'll give you the notes if you want to. We've looked at all those different things, but one thing we came to from Scripture that we know absolutely certain is that Abel's offering was given by faith. Abel's offering was brought to God by faith because he believed God, because he believed what God had said. Matter of fact, as Abel brought that offering to God, believing God, believing his word, believing what God had said, believing God's promises, he comes before God with an attitude of faith. I want to tell you something. When you truly believe God's promises, when you believe his word, when you believe what he's saying, it will show through in your attitude of how you're reacting to life and other people and everything else. But now Cain, he came with a different attitude, didn't he? On the other hand, he definitely didn't come in faith because he wasn't obeying the Word of God. <laughs> That's clear in, in all the things that, that happen and, and that follows. He goes on to say, And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. We find that he had a pretty stinking attitude. They both bring offerings. God accepts one. God rejects the other. Abel is in a happy attitude of faith. Cain has all been out of shape. He starts showing his attitude even to, even to God there. He was very wroth. His countenance fell. You could see it in his face. You could see it in his attitude. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? Cain, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? Now, this is important. It's important because just as I shared with you in that illustration, sometimes, sometimes people kind of think of God or see God as some kind of an ogre. Everybody know what an ogre is? <laughs> it's a... Uh, one of the ugliest, biggest old creatures of mythology that goes around eating people. You know, he's an ogre. And somehow, sometimes I think people think that God is this big ogre sitting up there on a throne and he's just looking for a way to break his promise. He's looking for some way to, to zap you, to destroy you, to, to hurt you in some way. The truth is, is that nothing could be farther from the truth. God is eager to show mercy and grace towards each and every one of you. He always has, and that's what we see. You see, Cain, first of all, disobeys God. We don't know all the conversations, but he obviously did not bring it in faith. He didn't come believing God like his brother Abel did, and he got it wrong. But what does God do? Does God zap him? No, God goes back to him and says, look, look at verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God promises Cain. We don't know what other promises he'd already made. We know there'd been some, but God promises here. Cain, you already know 
if you do well, if you do what's right, if you do what you're supposed to do, he says, you'll be accepted. But if you don't, sin is lying at your door. Why is this so important? Well, maybe today, maybe you've messed up like Cain did. Maybe you've even had good intentions and you never, you never planned to dishonor God. You never planned to not listen to God. But maybe your faith is weak. Maybe because you've never had the truth. Remember, it's all based upon faith in the truth of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Maybe you've never known what to believe. Maybe you've believed what people have said, but you've never read to understand what God has said. Well, just as the apostle Paul did in his day, God's got me here today to proclaim his truth to you so that you can know the truth. Maybe you're here, and maybe you've had that faith, and maybe you have trusted Jesus in the past. But maybe something's happened that your faith has grown weak. Maybe it's not what it ought to be. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe the devil's winning up because he's got those, those doubts planted down there. Maybe you're going through some depression and despair. Well, may I say to you, that's got nothing to do with God keeping his promise. If you do well, if you do what God says, if you follow his word, he'll accept you. Whatever your past is, however you've messed up, Wherever you went wrong, it doesn't matter. You see, Cain messed up. The first thing God goes to him and says, come on, Cain, get your attitude right. Why are you acting like this? You know that if you do what's right, I'll accept you. God is saying the same thing to you today. Just do what's well. Do what God wants you to do, and you'll be accepted. Now, he goes on here. We find in verse 8 that Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him, killed him. <laughs> Cain messes up. God goes to him. God tries to show him mercy and grace and encourage him to do what's right. But he does warn him at the same time, look, if you don't do what's well, sin is going to lie at the door, and sin is going to take control of you. Well, guess what? Instead of doing well to be accepted, he did not do well. Sin was at his door, and he became the first murderer on the face of this earth when he murdered his own brother. It says in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? What does he say? I know not. I don't know. <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, Lord, I don't know. You expect me to keep up with my brother? God showed nothing but love and mercy and grace. What does he do? The God that cannot lie, he tells a bold-faced lie. He denies that he knows anything about his brother. He's denying his sin. He's even becoming sarcastic with God. Oh, come on, God. Not up me to keep up with him and his problems. He goes on. And he said, God speaking to Cain, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. 
Nothing. Nothing is hidden from God. Cain has got to face the consequences of his sin. And his sin has now separated him from God. We find that so many times, it's like Cain, instead of doing what's well to be accepted of God, people try to deny their sin, deny that there's any problem, pretend that there's nothing wrong whatsoever. But God has, God has made it so clear to you. If you're choosing the sin, you're going to have to pay the consequences of sin. I don't want you to do that, God says, but you're going to make your own choices. Now, God's told Cain, I know what you've done. And Cain, you're going to have to suffer these consequences. What, what does Cain do? Verse and Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Lord, I can't handle this. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth. That's bad enough, but look. And from thy face shall I be hid. Oh, God. I've lost my home. I've lost everything that I've got. And, Lord, <laughs> I've lost you. He says, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Cain cries out to God. He knows that without God he has no hope, but he hasn't acted. His life is now worth absolutely nothing. He knows that the only thing that lies before him is death, and somebody's just going to take his life. What do we see in verse 15? And the Lord God said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. God responds in mercy. <laughs> Even though he's had to face the consequences of sin, God is still responding in mercy. God has still got his hand of protection upon Cain. Anybody that touches Cain is going to have to face the vengeance of God. Now, folks, again, that's very important. We don't have God's promises fulfilled in our lives because of who we are or what we've done. God's promises are fulfilled because he said it. Because it's God's promise. That's what you've got to grasp and understand. I know you've been told things. I know promises have been broken to you, to every one of us, to every human being. But you've never had a promise broken by God. And that's what we're seeing here in his, in his word. In verses 16 to 24, we see God's promise to Cain fulfilled. He survives. And then the Bible even records six generations that followed from Cain's seed. Five generations after Cain, there's this one born called Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H, Lamech. And do you know that Lamech shows his confidence in the Lord because of God's promise to Cain five generations before because in this instance, Lamech has killed somebody in self-defense. And he says, wow, I want to tell you something. If Cain could count on God being there still with mercy for him when he killed with an intentional heart, 
me even more. I know. What I had to do, it was purely in self-defense. I know that God is still there for me. And you see, that's what we need to grasp and understand. We see a solid foundation being laid here in the book of Genesis. Every human being that we've looked at, Adam and Eve, We've seen the influence of Satan upon them and, and sin. We see Cain and Abel and what they did. Every human being, man, they all messed up. But yet, we find that God's promises are still sure. The promises of God that were made in the Garden of Eden, the promises he made to their children as they came out of the Garden, God's promises are always sure, no matter how we mess up, whether we deserve it or not. Based on his mercy and his love, he said it. We see in all these cases, though, sin is dangerous. God has promised you just as sure that if you continue in sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin will kill you. Sin will destroy you, but Jesus Christ will give you life, and he'll give you life for all of eternity. We find that the remainder of chapter 4 and chapter 5 show how that God continues to answer that promise that he made in chapter 3, verse 15. He renews that spiritual seed because after Abel was killed, he gives them another son called Seth. <laughs> and it's through Seth that he brings that seed. He shows us here that he brings all the way right down to that one called Noah. We'll be looking at Noah next week, God willing. God doesn't come for us before then and the promises that God made to Noah. But I want you to understand and realize, please, today, God, in every promise that we see him make, God's promises are sure. They're absolute concrete. You can base your life now. And he has offered you everything. He has offered you the opportunity to partake of his divine nature through Jesus Christ. Rather than having to suffer the consequences of your fleshly, earthly lust and desires, which is sin. He's offered you that opportunity if you will but believe in him. We find that God tells us that with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation today. We're going to close with this thought, and we're going to sing a hymn in just a moment. If you're here today, and you've never, ever accepted the promise of God. You know, one of the greatest promises that God gave us is one that we tend to memorize as children if we have anything to do with church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but he gave him for a reason, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came, to give you life. That great promise in John chapter 14, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again 
receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you may be also. Jesus came to die that you might have life. Jesus has promised that he's going to come back for us, and that life is not just the life that we live here, but that we go with him to a place. Remember, we've already seen in Genesis, it was when sin came in that death came in. There was no death. We were all happy vegetarians to start with because not even an animal had been killed. Hmm. I'm not sure whether to be grateful for sin for that account. <laughs> I love my meat, praise God. <laughs> but only because of sin did death ever come into this world. There would be no death. We can't imagine that because we've never seen it because from the first human being, sin came in. But God wants to give you life to overcome that death. Those promises are sure. And they're in Jesus Christ. Today, we would love to take the Bible, to take God's Word. I can't save you. My promises won't save you. The promises of this church won't save you. His promises will. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It's what God says that you must believe in. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God lest any man should boast. We can't take any credit, even our faith. The only way we can have faith is because God has given us his word, and Jesus sent his spirit to replace him on this earth so that you can understand and know what he's saying to you in that word. So today, we'd love to show you Jesus. Christian, are you drifting? Have you slipped? Did you mess up like Cain did, just not listening to God close enough? God come back just like he did with Cain. Look, you know. If you'll do well, if you'll do what's right, God will accept you. He's still in the accepting business. But if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. Sin will take over. Sin will control you. Sin will destroy you. You just have to make a choice. Do you believe God or don't you? Will you accept his truth or won't you? Father, you know the hearts of each one here today. You know each one. Lord, I, you know. If there was anything, I, I always feel like, Lord, at this point, that I failed you in some way because, Lord, if there was just something else to say that whoever's here that's lost could grasp and understand, they not only need Jesus, but Jesus is here for them today. Lord, for that backslider that's walking afar off, that they could just grasp and understand how much that you love them and that you want them to be restored. If they'll just do what's right, they'll be accepted. Lord, for the Christian. They can grasp the enemy is always going to try to make them doubt. But, Lord, we don't have to doubt any of your promises. We can live every day upon them. We can stake our eternity upon them. So you work in hearts as only you can. And if there are needs that need to be met here today, we pray that you would meet them. Mm -hmm.